2: This episode of Kitchen Club is kindly sponsored by Sweaty Betty, who make the best yoga clothes ever. Yoga
3: has had a really positive impact on my relationship with my body, but wearing the right
2: clothes is also key for a mindful practice. Let's face it, we've all been there in down dog. You know you should be focusing on your breath, but actually you're wondering if your pants are on show or you're fighting to keep your top from falling over your eyes. So
3: true. The girls at Sweaty Betty have answered our prayers. Their all-female design team of yogis have created amazing quality clothes that look great, feel awesome, and allow you to move really freely.
2: So if you're in need of a little push to get on the yoga mat, or just an excuse to invest in some quality clothes to move in, Sweaty Betty are very kindly giving Kitchen Club listeners a generous 20% off so you can practice in comfort and style.
3: Simply enter the code KITCHENCLUB at the checkout online. And if you need a bit of inspo, Serena and I have both been living in the Garudasana pants, which are hands down the most comfortable thing
2: I've ever worn. I literally can't take them off. Me neither. They need a wash. Don't forget to tag us in your Sweaty Betty pics on Insta, at Kitchen Club Podcast. We bet you will all look wonderful. Thanks, Sweaty Betty. Thank you.
3: Hello and welcome to Kitchen Club with your hosts, Sarah Malcolm and
2: Serena Love. Kitchen Club is a podcast that brings you honest, topical conversations from around our kitchen table with no boundaries. Each week brings a new guest, a new area of expertise for us to dive into, and a new recipe based on our guests' three favourite ingredients...
3: Before we record each podcast, we ask our guests to challenge us to their healthy habit. This is something that they use daily to enhance their well-being, which we've then trialled and tested before we chat to them.
2: In this episode, we speak to eco-queen Venetia Faulkner. Venetia's a sustainability activist, producer, presenter, and host of the incredibly popular podcast Talking Taste Buds, which we are huge fans of. She's on a slow fashion mission to get people consuming more mindfully and appreciating what they own rather than constantly striving to have more.
3: We actually recorded this podcast way back in August at Serena's house and Venetia was our first recording, our first guest ever. And we were so nervous, weren't we Serena? So nervous. It felt a bit like stage fright just before you step on stage if you know that feeling that's what we felt like so hopefully you can't hear it in our voices too much and hopefully you enjoy it
2: why we chose podcast pro for our first one is anybody's guess Venetia was asked for her three favourite ingredients and she gave us about eight so we were creating a recipe for her from her list of tahini tamari, aubergine, harissa sumac ancient grains and seasonal fruit so if you'd like to see what we cooked keep listening and then head over to our instagram page at kitchen club podcast if you'd like the recipe without further ado here is the absolutely epic Venetia faulkner on kitchen club Hi Venetia.
3: hello
0: thanks for having me on your podcast guys our oh, oh, pleasure God. absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming it's a joy how's your how's your day been my day has been dreamy actually i had um some acupuncture my first kind of proper acupuncture session with georgie island in in brixton which worked out really well because i could come here pretty easily and then um serena cooked the most delicious lunch um were well, you well, you both did i had no part you in had no part today okay Serena cooked a delicious lunch of um, all
2: my favourite things. That's what we have to ask you about, is what your favourite ingredients were that you asked for for your lunch.
0: No, you asked for three, and I think, <laughs> I, I think I gave you about ten. Six, I think. Can you remember them? Um, and can you remember the one that I didn't fit in? Oh, Aubergine was one. Yeah. An, an ancient grain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say sumac you did i think sumac was in there no oh that was the one that there, wasn't it no sumac you put some harissa in there yeah was that on my list yeah harissa was on my list i got two more uh tahini yeah that's in there no mm-hmm. yeah and um your last one is still in the fridge oh my god it's a chocolate seasonal fruit oh and a seasonal wait fruit. no, there's one more as well
2: Oh. tamari
3: Tomori, oh, yeah.
2: Tamari was in there. Which I right? actually put in by accident. I had forgotten that was on your list, but I did put it in the dressing. Do I just want...
0: love a tomori and a tahini sitch. Mm, delish.
3: To eat all the
2: teas. Mm. Serena, and you to quickly tell us what we just ate? So we had roasted Harissa aubergine with, I don't know how to pronounce it, frika. Mm. good. Frika with roasted courgettes and tomatoes from my garden. <gasps> That's why they were so juicy and delish. My friend's mum. Has the most amazing veg garden, and she gave me a cucumber plant, a tomato plant, and a sage plant, which looks a little bit worse for wear. Oh, that's so sweet. So, thank you, Catherine, for your tomatoes. (laughs) Thanks, Catherine. Um, Frika, roasted veg, rocket, coriander with like a teeny tamari dressing, and then some big dollops of koyo and some toasted almonds. It was delish. It was delicious. Really good. My dream lunch. Brownie waiting with your name on it with (gasps) raspberries. Yeah, we're going to wait to eat that post post
0: recording a post podcast treat if you will
3: yeah exactly dream so now you're fed Venetia. basically we've got a lot we want to talk to you about okay i mean we've already been chatting a lot but um first things first before we start talking about what you're sort of focusing on now i selfishly just kind of want to know how you got to
0: where you are right yes i can fill you in yeah please yeah so I finished school and I actually really, that's why I got excited Sarah when you were talking about acting because I w- thought I wanted to get into acting um, which wouldn't have been the right career for me in any way but I, I thought I, I knew I wanted to do something quite performy I think and toyed with the idea of acting. Um I did National Youth Theatre and stuff when I was younger and then Started university. I went to Warwick University. I, w- I read English and film, and kind of tried to get in with the with the acting crews, and they just weren't having any of it. They were just like, <laughs> "See you later. We're not yeah. interested." And so instead, I found a real affinity with the radio and TV societies. And I had a couple of radio shows with my friends and I did the TV stuff for the TV society. I did presenting for them and just really, really enjoyed it. And very, very quickly I was like, cool, TV, radio, film, that's what I want to do. So I didn't really work that hard at uni. I did turn up to every lecture because I knew I wasn't a hard worker. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to every lecture. Mm -hmm. So I did the bare minimum in terms of the kind of scholastic side. But then in all of my free time, I was applying for work experience and jobs in any any t- kind of TV, radio or film company that would have me. And that's what I was doing in my, in my holidays. Um, during uni? During uni, right. yeah. So one work experience led to another and then that led to a summer job and, you know, things just kind of went from there. And very fortunately, I had one summer job in particular at the end of my second year of um, uni, in the summer holiday i had one job in particular where i was working in development for a a tv company in london before my third year started and i was quite enjoying it and my boss said what kind of thing are you interested in i was like well i love music he was like cool i know someone at mtv i can introduce you so i met this really cool guy who i kind of referred to for a long time as my tv godfather called (laughs) Ilya, and he introduced me to the mtv team And then my Christmas holiday, I did a work experience with MTV, fell completely head over heels in love with the company, with the team, with the work. It was just the coolest week of my life. And I was actually given enough opportunity to kind of prove my value. I did enough brown nosing (laughs) that meant that by the time I finished my third year at Warwick, they were looking for a new intern. And I just tried to sweet talk my way in, and I was fortunately successful. So I started the MTV News internship and I worked my way up at MTV, um, working on this amazing thing called MTV News, where we would write this, we would come up with a two minute news bulletin every single day. And in that bulletin, we would have interviews with mu- with musicians, with actors. Um, and I would... Uh, there would be a presenter, so I'd write the script for the presenter. I would maybe shoot the interviews that sh- that she or he would do with the talent. I would do red carpets I would it just gave me like a full spectrum understanding yeah. on how to make a show because it was very short form, but how to make something. And this was kind of before content really was a thing mm-hmm. digital content and yeah I was very like very ambitious and just wanted to climb my way up and I just loved it had the best time made amazing friends um Becca who was it still is presented by MTV ended up being one of my best friends it was just the best thing in the world and then I went freelance and worked worked as a kind of freelance assistant producer and then an opportunity came up at uh for music channel 4 actually for presenting. It was someone, a, a colleague, an ex-colleague put me forward to work for them as a presenter and I screen tested for them and it went really well. They were like, we, we think you're great, we'd love to have you as a presenter and then they got wind of the fact that I was also a producer. So I would, I was doing this um, daily live show on 4Music, Channel 4 and I'd go in in the mornings, write the scripts, do all the kind of producery stuff and then I'd like change, put some makeup on and, and present. And again, That's it was great. very much... Was it exhausting? <laughs> it was the most exhausting time of my life and it was actually really instrumental it was a really instrumental time in my life because I'd never presented before and suddenly I was presenting a live show there was there's so much pressure that comes with that I was at really kind of I was I think I must have been about 25 I was just it was so enjoyable and I learned so much but it was terrifying I was so anxious I've never been more anxious in my life and I would get home in the evenings from work and I would recoil on the sofa because I was so exhausted because when you're live you are on and you Mm. cannot drop the ball and I was so eager to impress because when I started presenting actually it really felt like okay maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing it felt really really natural And I was just so keen to impress and I just completely, I got, my anxiety just, I've always suffered with anxiety, but it just really, it didn't, I was not in a good place. Very insecure, very anxious. In a world where anxiety wasn't really really even spoken about, so. Yeah, it wasn't as much of a topic of conversation. And I was, I felt like I had, I should have been going to events and kind of PRing myself a lot more and I got developed social anxiety which i would never had before in my mm. life and always been found people so easy it was just a quite a tricky time and then unfortunately but fortunately now with hindsight it ended just really badly I think the the, the guys at the top switched around there was some kind of mixing up of, of the big dogs on the channel and I ended up losing my job which was the most heartbreaking thing for yeah, me because yeah. I'd put my I'd been with it since the start and I'd really kind of I thought I'd like nurtured it into what it was and I was more invested in it than I would have been if I was just present presenting because I was producing it too anyway I ended up losing my job on it which was which was heartbreaking and then you go into a whole realm of self-comparison with the girl that you lose your job mm-hmm. to and all of that it was really really tough but fortunately at that time Um, I started working, presenting for Tastemade. Tastemade is an amazing online uh, food and lifestyle network. Um, And they're like the home of... They were just making beautiful content and hosted content too. So I started making vegan uh, recipes for them. We did a little mini series and it was just so fun and gave me the opportunity to do what I love doing which was present and and kind of deliver but also talk about stuff that I wasn't really able to talk about you know on TV because you know you, you, TV you just want to hear about Justin Bieber you don't want to hear about veganism and low waste wipes or whatever so you're vegan by this point 25. I was vegan by this point yes yeah. so I was how maybe I was probably t- 26 at this point yeah. I've been vegan for almost four years. and I'm 29 wow. now. Um, so that was so I started working with them and then just kind of having... I, it, this sounds all super glamorous. The next couple of years were really tough, like constantly doing screen tests, like finding... This is why I say acting wouldn't have been right for me mm-hmm. because that process Not of good. screen testing is cutthroat and it's exhausting and you're constantly trying to mould yourself into being something that, you're, that you aren't necessarily. So it was tough. It was really hard, but it was really, really... I guess rewarding because when you, when things do go right, they, it's so much more valuable. And then I was really, I kind of realized working with TasteMade that digital content was where it was at. So that's when I started a YouTube channel. And then I also started my podcast. Um, we those love. Words. Thank you, guys. You're so lovely. Yeah, I started the podcast and that just... I think that was the thing. I think I, I got in there at the right time and I managed to, to to secure quite a few cool guests. And that was the thing that I felt like, oh, okay, this is, a, this is kind of feeling right. Um, I bet that... Did it feel right to go from radio... I mean, that's like a natural progression from uni. Definitely, definitely. And actually, all the stuff I'm doing now... It's all linked to what I was doing at uni mm. and when I started at MTV. Mm. It's all editing. It's presenting. It's kind of, it sounds so dicky, but it's kind of storytelling in a way. So it's, it's actually been a very organic process, even though it didn't feel like that at the time. Um, yeah, it's really lovely. I, I, I found my twenties really, really, that a lot. Of, I, I have found my twenties quite a struggle. There were large chunks of time in, in, in the past decade where I've, not being in a good place and I've just been like what am I doing but now it feels like I really have found my feet with it and it's a really great feeling it's so nice it's so nice because when you're in that time of struggle you feel like is this ever gonna am I ever gonna figure it out Mm -hmm. yeah and now I feel like I'm halfway there which is nice yeah it's a relief well done thanks thanks so much (laughs) do you have any little tips and tricks for when you're in those low moments I was really something that really helped me when I was at one of my lowest points. I was in a, a relationship that had, had wasn't beneficial for either party. And, uh, and yeah, I was kind of trying to navigate my way through, through my career and I was in a really bad place. And I was in my kitchen and I started talking to myself as if I was through this blip, this moment. And I talked to myself with hindsight. Mm-hmm. And almost like I was explaining it, like you would on podcast, explaining this time to someone else about what you went through and the struggle that you went through, knowing that you're going to get through it and that you've been through it and you've come out the other end. That was so helpful for yeah. me. I love that. I hope that. Yeah, yeah it's a very like brave adult thing to do. I mean, don't it? get me wrong. I felt like an absolute plonker. Alone you say, in my kitchen. You say talk it out to loud. Us? Yes, I out, speak loud. To myself out loud. Out loud. I think it's really important. Yeah. It's yeah. so much more convincing for your mind.
2: But quite similar, I had a therapist who told me when you feel anxious to talk to your anxiety as if it was a little girl, mm. like a younger version of yourself. And I guess it's the same. It's like talking from a more knowing, reassuring mm. place has this soothing effect on you yeah so it's not that bonkers it's only bonkers if someone walks in and sees it yeah (laughs) so true which my boyfriend does
3: a lot he's like (laughs) he always says to me do you talk to yourself when i'm not here no no for me
0: (laughs) yeah i do it all the time um wow so that's you've done a lot a busy few years it's been a bit busy decade yeah that's why when people say to me because i spent so much of my 20s focused on goals oh i'm going to present this live show I'm gonna present this for this person I'm gonna become the assistant producer on this show like I was really goal driven and I achieved a lot of what I set out to achieve and it didn't make me happy mm-hmm. and so now when people say to, say to me what's the plan what's the next plan for? what's the plan for one year time two years time, five years you. I'm like I'm actually I'm not I don't know mm-hmm. because it's not that's not where happiness is for me no. it's about trying to be as present as possible and, and if you are as present as possible and things are going well enjoy it because it might not last forever so I'm just trying to ride the wave at the moment rather than being like oh what am I going to be doing in five years time I have no idea and yeah. I'm happy not knowing yeah I think everyone needs to be reminded of that yeah definitely
3: so speaking in the present hmm. how how do you feel your days now what what is kind of your focus right now rather than like what's to come what, what are you passionate about right now?
0: I mean, we know, but we, we want everyone else to know. <laughs> um, I'm on somewhat of a slow fashion mission at the moment. Yes. So um, I uh, put myself out there online as a vegan. And when you say something like, I'm vegan on the internet, people are like, well, we're going to show you ways in which you're not perfect. (laughs) And I was like, cool, bring it. (laughs) And one of the ways in which I was told that I was not perfect and I would never claim to be perfect. And I'm by no means a perfect vegan, but someone did say on my YouTube channel, Hey honey, you're wearing a lot of ASOS. You need to do you need to do a bit of research into this. So I did do some research into fashion and I couldn't look back after I did said research. Um so at the end of 2018? 2018? 2017, at the end of 2017, I decided to stop buying fast fashion altogether. There's an amazing documentary which if you haven't seen yet you should watch called The True Cost. It's on Netflix. And um I learned loads about fashion and the kind of impact that fast fashion has on our planet and just consumption in general. I also got quite into learning about minimalism. Um, There's an amazing duo called The Minimalists. Again, they have a documentary on Netflix and an incredible podcast. And it was also at the time when Marie Kondo kind of Mm. really came to the forefront. All this stuff happened at once. And I wanted to have less and I wanted to celebrate having less and also make more of what I had. Um, And I think you can apply that to every aspect of life. And one day I just decided to talk about this old this old bloody jumper that I was wearing on Instagram. And I just thought, oh cool hashtag would be old outfit of the day, triple O T D instead of OOTD outfit of the day, which I was getting really frustrated with because I was like, I don't want to see your new clothes every day, which made me feel terrible my terrible about my life because I don't have new clothes every day. Anyway so i uh yeah, put this picture up of this old jumper and talked about how it was old and and it had actually a really good reaction um from from my followers. I didn't have all that many at the time, but it just it had a good reaction and i thought oh okay cool this is this could be this could be cool to kind of um demonstrate how we can celebrate what we already have um and so I just started talking about fashion war uh, mainly on Instagram, a bit on YouTube, and it just kind of went from there I didn't really have that much agenda behind it I come from I should say that I come from quite a fashion-y family so two of my cousins are um, designers. One was a shoe designer, and the other is a pajama designer, oh. and uh, really cool pajamas. Olivia von Halle. Have you heard of them? I
1: think the I silk have. ones. They yes.
0: are. Yes, oh, I have. Need oh, oh, to. They are so dreamy. And you not allowed them anymore though? Because they're new. Well, no, but hopefully watch the space because I think they they're hopefully trying to be more sustainable as a company. Cool. So I come from quite a fashion family. Two cousins are designers. One of my sisters did a lot of fashion photography. My other sister works in fashion or works in fashion. So I have quite a fashion-y mm-hmm. backdrop yeah um and and coming from a TV background yeah well. exactly why I felt like I had to be wearing the trendiest clothes yeah. really yeah. I was like if okay I might not be the best presenter but I could maybe have really cool outfits look but, the best exactly maybe people will get give me more jobs if they think I'm on trend mm-hmm. so it, that's kind of the kind of backdrop to all this and then yeah I just started talking about it more on social media and and it just I think we're re- I, fashion's kind of the one side of sustainability that we're not so aware of and it's not necessarily talked about as much as it should be because as I think a lot of us are aware it's one of the most polluting industries um so now I'm on a side fashion mission I'm really uh, kind kind of doing everything I can to learn as much as about the industry as I possibly can and communicate communicate that in the best way that I can via my podcast and social media and, and press and, and that kind of thing, um, and just trying to encourage people to make the most of what they mm. already have. Mm. Uh, that's kind of my current mission. And then just kind of, like, conscious living and, and mindful living fits under that umbrella. Yeah.
3: So let's just talk about s- slow fashion for a bit longer, please. Yeah. Um, God, that was a horrible...
0: Because I feel, <laughs> I feel like...
3: Well, I definitely was brought to the slow fashion, not, I wasn't brought there, but it came to my attention through you. Oh, yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, me too, definitely. and I feel like you are, in a way, championing this kind of by yourself. I mean, I don't really know, yes, other people are are doing it and fighting for it. Maybe it's just because I don't follow those people. Um, But I do feel like you're kind of like, a woman
0: fighting for this thank you slow fashion queen. queen Yes, oh, slow guys. fashion absolute queen um it there are a couple of people talking about it um so I uh, the women I looked really looked to when I started this slow fashion journey were Livia Firth and Lucy Siegel both of whom have been in my podcast Livia Firth um runs EcoAge mm. a kind of PR and communications consultancy for sustainable and slow fashion she's amazing. She's such a powerhouse. Side note, she's married to Colin Firth. So she okay. got to get Lucky to lady. Load, I mean, so yeah. full circle <laughs> for you, eh? Okay. Yes! So I told her that <laughs> when I did the podcast with her. I was like, by the way, um, but she's the coolest chick and I shouldn't call her a chick because she's so much more than that. She's the coolest woman and... Um, And I just found it really inspiring to know that she was going to all of these fancy schmancy red carpet events. She was like, no, I'm not going to do what's asked for me. I'm Mm going to wear sustainable clothes. And she um, is really good friends with and worked alongside Lucy Siegel, who is a journalist and still writes so brilliantly about fashion um together they are just the coolest women i've ever met so really massively looked up to them and then you know what there are more and more people talking about slow fashion mm. online um which is really really great to see some of the girls who use the triple otz hashtag these are like kind of young girls in their 20 early 20s they're just the cutest things in the world and they're showing all that kind of charity shop finds and it just makes my cockles warm and tingly um a re- there's a really cool girl Greek girl called Kristen leo who um has a YouTube channel where she talks a lot about so fashion and environmentalism. She's beautiful and, and really really cool. I love her um I'm seeing more and more people talk about it, but yeah, for a little while it did feel like I was kind of kind of um fighting fighting the fashion the fashion truth alone, but I do feel like people are really waking up to it now mm. um and you recently went to India mm, right to mm-hmm to learn more about plastic
3: okay so I separate went
0: to, but very interesting that you bring it up because i went to india to learn about plastic um but while i was there i we were spending a lot of time in waste aggregation centers where waste is divided the Photos into were amazing yeah it was honestly like horribly ama- horribly amazing it was so overwhelming and there was a lot of textile waste so i saw piles and piles of clothes and clothing just burnt Mm. on the side of a road or a dirt track Um, and I'd never been confronted with, because really this isn't necessarily about fashion waste, this is just about waste in general and I'd never been confronted with that, by that much waste before and I found it so emotional and we didn't even go to a landfill centre, they didn't want to take um, the journalist to a landfill centre because they said it would be too overwhelming so Lord knows, I probably wouldn't have made it back from the trip or it would have been so emotional Um, because yeah I think ultimately this is an issue of waste, it's not necessarily an issue of plastic so much or whatever it is, it's just waste. Consuming less. Consuming less. Making more of what you have and 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 trying to send as little to landfill and waste as as we possibly can. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's not until we actually travel
3: or get out of our bubble. Because sometimes we're sort of in this bubble and we're like, yeah, I'm living the, the most eco life I can be, but what about the rest of the world? definitely and you see that when you travel and you think oh this is actually how the majority live Mm
0: -hmm. and when you support if you support if you buy if you buy a piece of clothing from a fast fashion brand and i'm not i don't want to shame anyone into into their purchase i don't want to shame anyone about their purchases because if you love something and you're going to give it an amazing life in your wardrobe i think go forth like Treasure it and look after it, and I think that's wonderful. Some of my favourite pieces of clothing in my wardrobe are from fast fashion brands, but if you're kind of mindlessly purchasing from a fast fashion brand and you, you're not really thinking about. That piece of clothing has been made by someone somewhere, and if it's cheap, chances are that they haven't been paid fairly to make that mm-hmm. garment. They might be in really terrible audition. Uh, they might be in really terrible conditions. They might not be allowed to use the loo. They might not have fresh air or even daylight. Like it's some of the conditions of these factories are really terrible. And this isn't necessarily happening in Bangladesh or in um, other places in the world. This. Is actually also happening in the UK, and um, places like Manchester where um, Misguided and Boohoo have their have their factories. You yeah, had really your one pound bikini mission over the summer. I did have my one pound bikini mission. was Misguided, not Boohoo. Yeah. yeah, it was Misguided, but they're the same company. I think. Oh. I think they're owned by the same guy. I get confused. Pretty little thing, Misguided and Boohoo. I think two of them are owned by the same guy. I should know. I can look it up. If, um, yeah, if no one's seen Venetia's videos they're brilliant oh thank you that Um, one did really well it was really it was really uh they're powerful thank you yeah yeah. i'm maybe a bit (laughs) sassy i was talking to max my boyfriend about this the other day he was like yeah before i met you like i i saw you online and i thought like god she's ballsy like she's i think but i think i i i i'm not i think when i'm really passionate about something i will go in all guns blazing and and that that i when i saw that misguided one pound bikini thing i was like how is this a thing in 2019 mm-hmm. when we're all so concerned about recycling how are we not putting two two, two and two together about a one pound bikini yeah, made yeah. from plastic yeah. which is going to outlive us all yeah um i've got i think i've jumbled lots of thoughts together yeah. for
3: you there, but no, that's nice. interesting
0: um so to sort of <laughs> to sum up mm.
3: if you were to Give your some key things to help people live a more sustainable life in how they consume fashion. Yeah, to slow down our fashion consumption. Yeah. yeah, because it's definitely a generation thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. Our, our, my pet, pa- my parents, maybe both of yours, didn't grow up like we are growing up. No. My mum made all of her clothes, and she would have never wanted to be seen in the same thing as someone else. And same with our grandparents. So, what would you say to the generation of today mm. on how we? Can... Also,
2: it's
0: a privilege thing,
2: though. That,
0: mm-hmm. like, thank you for bringing that the up. The
2: fast fashion brands are the cheap ones, exactly. And of yeah. course, we'd all love to wear some really expensive, eco Stella knitted by monks in the Himalayas or like whatever. But it's just
0: not doable for most people. Unfortunately, sustainability and living more low waste is currently an issue of privilege. Yeah. And that's how often these changes Start. They start with it. these things are usually often only accessible to the privileged at the beginning, and hopefully that, that then that filters down. And I feel positively about that. But yes, slow fashion is an issue of sustainability. unfortunately uh, of uh, uh, slow fashion is an issue of pr- <laughs> of privilege. Unfortunately, you know the expensive yarns knitted by meditating l- monks are very very expensive and very lovely and very lovely. <laughs> which is why my approach to slow fashion in my approach to slow fashion I try to be as accessible as possible now I should always say I should my disclaimer I have the time and the money to think about this mm-hmm. and to spend my money and in the way that I do I also live in London I'm surrounded by amazing charity shops and vintage stores so in that I am privileged and I'm it's a privilege to be in this position however I think the first step to being more sustainable in your wardrobe is to celebrate what you already have. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of us have clothes. It's about organising your wardrobe and seeing what you actually have in there and thinking of ways that you could style what you already have up. And then it is about looking after it, doing what our parents' generation did, you know, have a summer wardrobe that you put away in the wintertime Um Cherish what you have. Make sure that you have, you know, you use lavender balls so your moths don't get at your coats. You sound like my mum. My mum has always told me, you
2: wash your jumpers, put them away for the summer, put mm-hmm. all the moth-proofing stuff. So lavender balls stops
3: moths? Yeah.
2: You're and moths are a real You problem. can just
3: mix them yourself, just
2: yeah I think they're worse than ever yeah. because it was so warm last summer the moths are worse than ever and everyone's stuff's
0: getting eaten this is the thing it's really bad just get a kind of like a muslin cloth and yeah. wrap put, like, put a dried lavender in there wrap it up with maybe an elastic band to put it over a hook in a, over one of your hangers in your wardrobe do you with know what no I moths. think about
2: quite often what as a vegan do yeah. you still like embrace and love moths um Or I, do you like? Do you still hate moths a little bit when they eat all your plants? To be honest, I've been I really, don't know where that question was going. But you? I've been
0: really lucky with um with moths. Oh, I have actually... so bad last year, were they? And I was
2: like, I love animals. I love animals. I hate you, moths.
3: Yeah, I moths are my one one and only fear. Sorry, this Moth. is fear. Really? Yeah, fear. Yeah. What? I hate them. Oh, babe. I hate them. They're not scared. It's
0: because they're dusty. And they disappear. Where yeah, they it's quite weird. What happens to them? Like, literally, what are they? <laughs> <laughs> they're in your clothes. Oh, my God, you're going to be lavendering everything tonight, aren't you? Oh, stop. That is Just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so, yeah, so I think it's about, you know, looking after what you already have. And then when you want or need something new, look into swapping with a friend or a family member. Maybe That's you could host, nice a idea. Swap, host a swap shop. Always a good plan. Um, um, I would also suggest looking at rental websites. I like Her, which is H-U-R-R, because it's peer-to-peer. Often with rental websites, they will just buy a load of stock, and you rent, but that's just mm. contributing to extra yeah. consumption.
2: Hire as in you would be going to a big party and you would hire
0: a dress off someone else who owns it. Exactly. Cool. I haven't heard of that before. It's really, really great. I would really, really recommend it. They have such a great selection of dresses. It's really good for weddings and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Which you'll wear probably once. Exactly, which you might wear once anyway, exactly. And then I think I don't necessarily... There is so much conflicting information about what makes a brand sustainable or ethical, and I still feel so confused on a weekly basis about what materials are actually sustainable and Mm -hmm. ethical and then also i'm vegan so there's a whole other load of confusion in that because obviously um the most sustainable fabrics are ones which aren't technically vegan like silk like wool Mm. like leather because they're from animals Mm -hmm. they're from the earth they biodegrade thing
2: i often think about with veganism is that are you? I mean, I know. Aside from the animal thing, you're presumably better to buy a pair of leather boots that are going to last you for ten years than a pair of canvas shoes that are going to last you for one year or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's a really, it's one that That's I've a kind tricky of tricky one. It is, and it's one that I've kind of I've talked about at vegan events and I've kind of been met with a very mixed reception (laughs) um I I would always prioritize something that already exists and I personally feel okay wearing leather that I've had for years and I would rather do that than buy a new leather bag new vegan leather bag made from plastic would you buy secondhand leather boots uh yeah I probably would probably would just because it's already there
2: yeah and and if that animal has lost its life then don't
0: then not use it at least celebrate it and make the most of it but then the vegan argument would be but you are then kind of glorifying the fur in the leather industries or whatever it is I wouldn't wear fur but that's the kind of argument can you you? honestly you you can't can't win. win and that's why as individuals we have to understand that all of these decisions that we make when it comes to being more eco or more ethical or whatever it is we have to understand that it's totally individual yeah and you have to respect my, like, I just want people to be more conscious of their decisions, whether that's clothing or food or whatever it is. We just need to be more conscious, and then if you're coming at every decision from a conscious place, you're doing bloody well. Mm. Even if you think, even if I'm coming round to your kitchen today and you're like, "Shit, there's a plastic bag over there," <laughs> we <You're, already> did, <laughs> but you're but you're being so conscious of that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like that's what it's all about. It's just about reframing our minds, and then so yeah, and then if you really want to buy, to kind of go back to this question, if you really want to buy something new obviously you know if you can support a sustainable ethical brand then great and if that's what you want to put your money towards then great but i would really look at it in terms of thinking about what's going to last in your wardrobe yeah um and buying new should really be the last point of call that that's the last thing you do Mm. if you can avoid buying great but obviously it's pretty hard to do completely
3: i've always been um my friend's probably actually get quite annoyed at me but i've always been um a person who if i knew something to wear i'll go to my friends before i'll shop always so sustainable of you Mm -hmm. because well one of my friends works in fashion she gets a lot of clothes given to her they call it chuck out (gasps) that the 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 brands don't use that they use for shoots and they chuck it out um and she'll actually have have us all around for dinner and say, Okay, who wants these bits? So we'll we'll do that and um my friend went through many years of just buying a lot of clothes and she's still got all of her clothes and I know that it's basically like going to the shop of her. Wow and I say, Can I come shopping at your house? Because she'll always have something for me to wear.
2: And, and then just, it stops you buying. Exactly.
3: Great. I mean, then she's like, Sarah, I'm gonna have that thing back. I'm like, oh yeah, damn, I forgot it was actually not mine.
0: <laughs> but it's so cost <laughs> efficient. It's, it's to, to swap with friends is so cost efficient. Yeah. You could even look at if you know, if you really want a dress and your friend really wants it, maybe you both get it or yeah. share
3: it. And it, share it, it. it gives you that sense of wearing something new, which kind of build your confidence a bit and makes you feel a little bit different which is sometimes a nice little feeling
0: 100% there was no denying the, do- the dopamine hit you get when mm. you tr- when you have something new yeah. there's and you can't yeah. deny that and it does give you a little lift but you can still get that feeling in fact I get more of that feeling if I have found something in a charity or a vintage store yeah. because I know that I'm like wow, I spent time on finding yeah. this. This is a real gem. And it's more imagination as well. I'm
3: thinking that will look great. Exactly. And like, not everyone's
2: wearing it. Like, exactly. That bloody spotty Zara dress oh, this yeah. summer. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I think the best thing is if you buy all your, like, quirky bits and your dresses secondhand, and then if I need a pair of jeans or a decent pair of boots that I know I'm going to have for six years, then I'll buy them new. Yeah. Because I know that, They're like a staple. Like, don't buy trendy things that the next year you won't want to wear. Mm -hmm. But if you buy things that are going to be timeless... Yeah.
0: Then at least if they're new, you know you're going to have them for a long time. For a really long time. Mm. And I think it's really easy it's really easy to get overwhelmed by sustainable fashion especially when you first hear about it and think right I've got to overhaul my wardrobe it's the same when you, if you hear about a zero waste you're like oh my gosh I've got to overhaul my life I've got to get rid of all of these plastic Tupperware boxes and get perfectly aligned glass jars <laughs> no this is about making yes, more yeah. of what you have yes. exactly I how. always think
2: about that in you did um, you did a talk didn't you at the source in Battersea I did when I used to go in there I'd be really embarrassed going with my plastic Tupperwares because everyone goes in with their Glass jars and stuff, and I was like, Oh god, plastic, plastic. But if you've already got the plastic,
0: you might as well use it. So much better for the planet yeah. to make the most of that than to buy new glass. 100%.
3: 100%. The benefits of glasses you'll get hench muscles carrying them. I know, heavy.
2: And <laughs> I heavy, so I just break yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, so th- that's some, I think, really great take home points. Good. We would also love to talk to you about... The main
2: thing that we haven't talked to yeah, about. Yeah,
3: I know, is... Offline 48, <gasps> your healthy your habit. Your baby! Oh, so, my gosh. So we challenged Venetia to give us a, a healthy habit that she lives by or likes to use to enhance your life, right? Venetia, I was hoping you'd do... I hope, really hoping you'd do it <laughs> was to challenge us to take part in Offline 48. So tell us a little bit about... Offline 48 and then we'll share, we'll share our findings, Sarah says she's got some
0: very strong views about this. <laughs> oh, I cannot all wait to hear about all about this. So Offline 48 is something that I started with my boyfriend Max. We went on a 10 day digital detox over Christmas. He came to stay with my family and we thought we, we both kind of do stuff online. We spend a lot of time in front of our screens. So we thought it would be nice to turn our off, phone off, phones off for maybe three days. Actually physically turn them off. I'd done digital detoxes before where i just come off social media but this was a physical turn off. So we turned our off, hid them in a drawer, and we did three days, and just absolutely loved it. And we thought, well, let's do another day, and three days turned into ten days, and we just had the most blissful time. Turned them back on, and then kind of slipped back into you know old habits and and not having enough time away from our screens, and then. A couple of months ago, probably about four or five months ago now, we decided to do it again for a weekend. And I called my mum after the weekend and I was like, oh, I've just had the most blissful weekend with Max offline. It was so nice. I really want to keep this up, but obviously it doesn't really... It's not really beneficial for my work if I'm offline all the time. My mum said, "Classic, wise old Al Virginia why 'Why don't you make it a part of your content?'" You it could- was her idea. Was of- awesome. <laughs> she is so so great. It was her kind of she she put the idea in our he- in our heads to to make it a thing. So I don't think we kind of started the hashtag all the Instagram account for a couple of weeks, but we started doing it on on weekends between Friday and Monday, and then we started the hashtag and encouraging our followers to do the same and it's just actually changed the game for my mental health it really really has I I spend a lot of time on my screen during the week we have both of us whether we're together or apart because up until recently we were in we were in a long distance relationship we have good um boundaries with our phone Monday to Friday anyway we always turn them off in the evenings and then don't turn them on again until we've been awake for about an hour first thing in the morning so we had good boundaries but this added uh, weekend digital detox has made the world of difference and I'm not stopping anytime soon. How was your time offline? Because <laughs> we should also say that Sarah texted me in a little panic. Oh, my God. On the oh, Friday. So Did you hear about, about this? You
3: are in retreat life. I didn't want really to bother you, but I wanted to bother Monisha. <laughs> yeah, of
0: course. So, it was, um, so much fun. I probably <laughs>
3: messaged you at what about like four o'clock.
2: Yeah.
3: And I panicked already on the Thursday night because I didn't have any plans on Friday night and all of my friends were away my boyfriend had plans and I thought oh my god what the hell am I gonna do and be so bored just because I was like I'm not choosing to spend time by myself and everyone's chosen to leave me alone (laughs) Um, and I was sat at home all day by myself working so instantly like already I was in a very sort of a state of feeling very isolated, cabin fever. Yeah, and um, so I message Venetia, and I I can't remember what, how I what I said first, but I just remember you saying you will listen to the birds and you'll see <laughs> the dust <laughs> moving in the light, don't off. In the moss. And I was so excited, but also really nervous. It felt like such a big deal. I don't know why, because I've actually done I've done things like this before when I've gone away with my boyfriend for the weekend and I put my phone on airplane mode and just been like I don't need it for the weekend so I don't know why I felt such a big deal but anyway I booked myself into a yoga class at lovely yin yoga class at 8 p.m <laughs> started at 8 and I was like messaging all my friends like guys I'm going offline this weekend messaging my family if you need me I won't be there so it felt like I was kind of going to prison (laughs) That's how it felt it was like the journey the journey in and um I felt myself sort of waiting till eight o'clock and just decided I was going to switch my phone off early because I thought this is stupid I'm literally just waiting till I can go "Eh, okay now I get on with my time um so I switched off about 7.15 and didn't tell anyone. And then, well, when when I turned it back on on Sunday, I had loads of messages like, you've already gone
2: offline.
3: <laughs> um, and I went to a really lovely yoga class just around the corner from me, cycled there. It was beautiful and I felt so much. And whenever I feel a lot in a yoga class, I have one friend that I always want to speak to about it. Um, and I was feeling really emotional and left the class And all I wanted to do was um, speak to the friend. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to find another way to express how I'm feeling. And I got on my bike and I cycled home. And I literally said to myself, Sarah, it's been one hour. One hour that I've been on my phone, which is very usual. I always go to yoga glass without my phone. Don't look at it till I'm home. And I got home, made myself dinner and just journaled the hell out of my emotions. Just sat there writing everything down. Um, got into bed early. Oh yeah. Okay. This is probably too much information, but actually got. I'm wondering. Well, this is I I It is quite weird. I actually got cystitis that day. Oh. I haven't had cystitis in since I was probably about seventeen.
1: Okay.
3: Um, it came on during the yoga class. Got home and I was like, oh my gosh! All I want to do is Google about cystitis and how to cure it, and I want to tell my mum, those are my thoughts. Tell my friend about how I was feeling in yoga, Google cystitis, tell my mum. There you go, too much information. Um, anyway... I thought
2: it was going to be worse.
3: Anyway, I I got into bed. went to <laughs> <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, had a lovely rest of the evening, woke up to my boyfriend being home the next day and instantly felt so much better... And then I spent an absolutely glorious weekend with my family up in Shropshire and didn't think about my
0: phone once. Great. Yay. It's quickly, it's funny how quickly you don't think about it anymore, yeah. is yeah.
3: But I do, I do wonder if I were alone the whole weekend...
0: How I would feel. It's a really different experience. My dream is to do it every... Like, or to have my boyfriend with me every yeah, weekend or yeah. to be at my parents mm. and to be around people. There have been times over the past four or five months where I've been by myself, and it is a totally different experience. Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough. You go a lot more kind of in, inward and insular. Um, but then the fear leaves, and you start to notice that you the dust... Dancing <laughs> in the in the That's sunlight. Him, too,
3: yeah. I have one question for you, Venetia. Yes. That my boyfriend has been dying with me to ask you. Oh, my gosh. Great. Oh, okay. I think that... Um, Hello, mate. He wants to know... So when I said, okay, Venetia's challenged us to do Offline 48, he said, how are you going to order an Uber?
0: That's a good question, Piers. <laughs> um, how that was are you going to order an Uber? So the thing is about doing offline 48 and doing it very strictly is that you really do have to plan your weekend quite strategically so for me that means getting google maps out on friday and planning my journeys and figuring out how to walk somewhere or how to navigate uh transport for london and you do it that strictly um it most of the time yeah amazing some of the weekends where Max was in America we'd be we'd, we, long distance meaning that we want to communicate mm-hmm. more so we'd arrange time to speak to each other and but as often as I can I will try and be really strict and try and go no screens sometimes you know if you have like it's a timing thing and it's a planning thing doing it every weekend means that I can't be as strict as I would like to yeah but like for example if we do it again at Christmas I'll be really really strict in that time but there's no logistics because you're at home
2: exactly it's when you're like going out to meet people and someone's running late and then your train
0: gets cancelled and And that's why it's so important to communicate with your friends as much as you can you really need to say like hey listen we need to make a plan by Friday evening because I'm turning my phone off Mm. and if you're not there within 20 minutes I'm going to go i'm gonna go home yeah but actually that's all that's been the easy stuff i had a bit of a that, and stuff has happened. Like, I've, I've had a family member in hospital. But again, it's just about making sure that you stick to timings. Mm-hmm. And I had a really stressful situation a couple of weekends ago when someone's flat in my building exploded oh. with some kind of um, feces. Oh, my God! And literally. I hope he's not listening to this. I doubt he is. The guy he's who, actually our biggest fan. The guy who <laughs> owns the flat tried to reach me in, I mean, every way imaginable. Because oh, obviously my phone was off. Can I just say, disclaimer, this excrement was not from my flat. It was not from my, my flat's <laughs> wrongdoing. I hadn't been there for a month, so it can't have be been me. But he contacted me. I mean, you can, I you, I, on my, I, I cannot describe to you what I was. I turned my phone on to. Texts, calls, every single email, dim, DMs, Facebooks. Got in touch with the girls I went to school with who I haven't seen in... <gasps> Ten years. Who were then contacting me, Crazy. being like, this, "I mean, it was too much." But luckily, because I was speaking, to, I'd arranged to speak to Max that night. We t- I, we turned our phones off, off to, onto Facetime, and I saw all like, this influx of information. Went into oh, this panic. Heaven. Had to call my plumber to go, blah, blah 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 blah. Absolute nightmare. Then a couple of hours later, the guy was like, you know what, actually it's fine, we'll sort it out next week. Which made me realise that even if my, headphone, had, if my phone had remained off, it still would have been yeah. okay. Like, yeah, life, the life continues, what? Yeah. I'm I'm looking into getting just a, a really, like, shitty, kind of 3310 or whatever, pairs you go phone, so I almost have a landline. Mm. I think I'll probably do that this mm, week. That's a good idea. And then you have a point of contact and you give that to all the people who need it. Mm-hmm. But if you're worried, turn your phone on. You don't need to go on social media, just trying to phone mm-hmm. out, make a call. It's just about making it work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
2: Serena, how did you get? It? I wasn't nearly as good, but it wasn't my fault. I was cooking on a retreat. And so logistically, like I was being employed. There were things that I needed my phone for. So I immediately did no social media, which I loved and... I have a funny relationship with Instagram. It gives me a lot of anxiety and I know that it's great because I get a lot of work through it and like at times I really enjoy it, but at times I fucking hate it and Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like crap because everyone is cooler, prettier, skinnier, richer, whatever it might be. So not being on social media was like a blessing. Um, I didn't text, I didn't use my phone for like texting and calls because I was working. And I have one of my best friends with me, so, like, that was nice. I was with her. Um, I think I just spoke to my boyfriend and maybe texted my mum to say that I had arrived safely. And other than that, I used it. Like, the woman employing me called me when I was at the supermarket, things like that. Mm. So you but used I, it as a phone rather than... I used it as a phone rather yeah. than, like, a lifeline. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so, it was amazing. And I, because I enjoyed it, I'm definitely going to do it
0: properly now that I'm back. Mm but it just it was just bad timing yeah I think that's what it's about isn't it it's about using a phone as a phone yeah for a minute rather than a contact a way of <sighs> comparing yourself to people that you've never met and you will never meet mm. or I, there's so much to be gained from using social media mindfully but there's also a lot to be lost yeah absolutely um um, So I
3: went to Wilderness Festival recently. I was teaching and Venetia did an amazing talk about Offline 48, which I went to. Thank you for coming. Oh, it was (laughs) lovely. And I had such a great... So Venetia told us to sort of break off into pairs and speak about how social media... uh, Was it three things that we like about it and three things that we don't? And I had a lovely conversation with your friend. It did make me realise how much I sort of not owe to social media, but how great it can be. Because yes, it it can be very anxiety inducing and stressful, but it is pretty incredible. I wouldn't know half the things I know now if I hadn't come to be on social
0: media I wouldn't have met you met, you met through enough. social media I no I, met you I did i um, best friends I mean it's yeah, it's, cool. it's amazing what it's brought me and also I do think it can be used for good you can create communities out of mm. it you can meet people you can be into you can be really passionate about cumin in all its forms and you will <laughs> find people who are passionate about cumin like you will just it'll be the most random random thing and you can find communities do you love cumin I was, just, I was looking at your spice rack. Oh, and I, just, I said that's so I saw a spi- It was coriander. I was oh, it's your at. eyesight's very good. I can't even see cumin. Oh, I've got contact lenses in. I need my glasses. So there is much to be gained from it. We just can't be as attached to it as I think a lot of us are prone to, prone to be, and I'm no exception. Mm-hmm. My phone is, Monday to Friday, my phone is attached to me at my fingertips. I, I use it for everything.
3: It, it then kind of, you use it for for good and yeah. use it in a in a way that enhances your life in the week Mm. and then you can shut down from that and I think it's very important if it is your job because if you have an office job you don't take you don't bring your office home with you exactly you have that those boundaries that you can set and when you're off you're off and I think
2: that's really important
0: exactly the best moments in life happen offline I'd like to do
2: offline seven days, not offline 48. Oh, that's the goal.
0: That's the eventual goal. I'm slowly building up to that.
2: Oh, by the way, guys, it's four days a week now. And now five. See you. you know that. And most importantly, what is your new favourite
0: podcast? This one. <laughs> Kitchen Club All Yes! Thank you so
2: much for having oh, me. Thank, thank you so, so much, much for coming. So Travelling all the way down here. Honestly, a pleasure. We're going to make your little goodie box of brownies to take <gasps> home with yeah. you for Max. Take Max a brownie. <sighs> oh my god, he'll love that. Yeah. Serena and Donna, tell us what the bra- what the brownies made. Oh, yeah. They're called chickpea chocolate brownies with like a peanut buttery, cacao buttery icing, <gasps> and we've got some vanilla soy ice cream and some raspberries. Oh.
3: <laughs> so ding
0: dong ding
3: dong best day of my life thank you, thank you so much Venetia it was a pleasure having
2: you you're a dream bye. bye bye thank you so so much to Venetia for coming along on the podcast that was fascinating and I think really useful for all of us to learn a little bit more about what we can be doing in our day-to-day lives to live a bit more sustainably. I particularly like the idea of trading clothes with people you know so that you can spend a little bit less and not be fueling the fast fashion fire. Absolutely. And if you are keen to do
3: Venetia's Offline 48 Challenge... I can't recommend it enough. It was absolutely brilliant. So make sure you're tagging Venetia and us as well if you've been listening to the podcast and in, have been inspired to do it from listening. Turn on, Turning off your phone on a Friday and back on on Sunday. We hope you loved listening to Kitchen Club. Please, please, please rate, review and subscribe to us if you did. It really helps us just keep things going and keep recording, which is what we're absolutely loving. We'll make sure to leave our details and all of Venetia's details in our show notes if you want to find out more. And make sure you're following us on at Kitchen Club Podcast on Instagram for our delicious recipes. Have a
2: lovely day. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?